Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, folks. Welcome to Karate Without Belts. I am John, and joined for the first time by someone from the Great White North. I'm joined by Mr. Vic Kinsella himself. A long-time uh, friend, recently reconnected, and um, like I'm just really excited to have you, have you on the program, man. Thank you very much, sir. And it's an absolute pleasure. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. I'm, uh, I guess you could say living the dream. I, uh, I took on a uh, plant manager role, which I've been striving for, for about five, six years. And uh, I took command of the ship and I got an amazing team that works for me. And uh, the dynamics are fabulous. My kids are grow growing really strong, doing well in school. Uh, my son just graduated, uh, registered massage therapy. Oh, wow. So it just seems like everything's connecting. Everything is getting good, you know? Good. Good. That's great to hear, man. That's great to hear. How have you been doing? What have you been up to in terms of training lately? Uh, training, I still have uh, multiple students for Ruku Tempo. Uh, we get together generally about once a week, once every two weeks, go over our uh, kata. Uh, go over the basics, uh, basic exercises, some of the basic weaponry. Uh, I also hang out with uh, several Filipino martial artists. I bumped into the Filipino crew and I found that they were just a very family-oriented bunch of guys swinging sticks. No politics, no, you know, no red tape. It's just get together, swing sticks around, and afterwards usually have a good meal. So I do a, a bit of that. Uh, I don't do a lot of the MMA or boxing anymore. And I'm getting older and my body is, uh, it's fallen apart a bit. You know, I'm almost 50 and years and years of hard, hard karate and hard, hard training is, you know, it's taken a bit of a toll on me. So I've taken a step back, you know, I'm enjoying myself and the training I do right now and it's progressing quite well. Good. You're you're one of the few people who I've known. We've had a couple people on here before who've been in this wheelhouse, but I feel you're a very strong example of this. Is someone who has been both part of the quote-unquote traditional side of things, but also been very active in the full contact, getting involved, getting on the ground, wrestling around, punching, <laughs> punching, pu punching on getting sweaty, getting bloody. Um, yeah. Yeah. And something that we see a lot of the traditional guys flinch at or end up making a kind of a, well, that won't work on the street or, you know, uh, if that's not the way, uh, like, and there's just kind of ends up like, kind of like a lot of people just kind of rubbing their hands and kind of being like, well, uh, we would never do that. And that's not the way my teacher taught us and this, that, and the other. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, which has its pros and cons. I mean, as you just mentioned, you know, it, where there's only a certain point where you'll be able to do that. Yes. I think moving into kind of the older age range would be harder and it would be less and less safe to do so. But yes. I, I'm yes. interested in seeing in kind of your perspective of how, and we were just talking about it a little earlier, but how having that in your wheelhouse in the very least helps you 
helps remodify or kind of readjust your perspective on how martial arts works? You know, martial arts is very, I guess you could say very intricate, uh, especially the different styles, you know. I started in martial arts when I was nine and I'm 49 now. And coming up the ranks in different systems, I found there's a lot of arrogant, arrogance from club to club. My school, my system's better than your system. But then when you get older, you start to really ponder, am, am I in the right system? Do I have the complete system? And then that's when I went to high school with a, a gentleman, Sean Tompkins. He was the uh, owner and uh, founder of Team Tompkins. And he really got into MMA hard. Um, then he started training a lot of UFC fighters. He was the uh, manager of uh, Extreme uh, Couture Gyms, and then he moved over to Tapo Gyms. He was the general manager at Tapo Gyms, and he had a stable of dozens and dozens of professional athletes. But hanging out with him, I started to realize, and he came from a traditional background as well. He did, uh, I think it was Shotokan. You know, you can do patterns, and, and you can invest hours and hours and hours in training and doing a, doing a kata. And it's, you know, it's that one-on-one -on -one battle where you're trying to make yourself perfect. And then you do a little bit of kumite here and there. And, and that prepares you, right? So if somebody attacks you, you've got a bit of kumite experience. But the thing I did find is when you were doing MMA or boxing, there, there is no kata. You're getting in there, you're swapping blows on a constant basis. And I found with over 15 years bouncing in nightclubs and, you know, at uh, uh, large venues, I did find that when, when stuff hit the fan, it came down to my boxing abilities, really. You know, if I had to control a situation, it's just pop, pop, it's done, you know, and grab the person, escort them out. And I, you know, it came down to a lot of my martial arts techniques because you you get together, you do some techniques, but, you know, you might do in a seminar, in a four-hour seminar, you might actually do 45 minutes of actual hands-on. Right. <clears throat> Whereas boxing, if I go to a four-hour seminar, I'm pretty much boxing for four hours, you know, the, the constant movement of the arms. And I did find that as I got older and older, uh, I'm not that old, but as I got older, uh, the maturity really starts to set in where you actually start to see that every system has holes in it. Boxers are, you know, if a boxer goes up against a wrestler, you know, they're going to the ground and they're going to get dominated. You know, a wrestler, you know, if they go against a karate guy and they don't shoot in quick enough, they're going to get a kick to the head or, you know, a, you know, a good tuite on them. So I started realizing every system has holes in it. And then talking to some very intelligent martial arts masters, they themselves have said, like, there, there's holes in every system. There's holes in every system. That's why you should keep an open mind to what other systems have to offer. But as you know, there's, there's systems and, and organizations that keep a closed mind and if you don't open up that mind and see what other people are doing, you can't prepare for those pit bulls that are being bred at the gym, right? 
So that was my whole take on it. And I started falling in love with a lot of different arts and seeing the good attributes of different arts. And, you know, I use Riku Kempo as my foundation. That is, you know, the tools that I have. But then I, I put a little bit of boxing into it. You know, I'll, I'll do a little bit of a Screama or Kali uh, walk. I, I've, I'm an accomplished wrestler. I've done a little bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It kind of rounds it out. So I know inevitably if, if somebody takes me to the ground, I can get back up pretty quick. It's the whole mentality of keeping an open mind and nobody's perfect, you know? And that's, that's my whole take on it. That's interesting because you get a lot of the MMA guys, a lot of these pit bulls you were saying at the gym, as you, as you just said, like, they will, they will pretty much say that traditional stuff needs to go out the window. There, there is no room for it. You're wasting time on kata. You get the Joe Rogan types, or who are all like, yeah, man, you just, just, just the UFC. It's just the MMA. There's nothing else. And, um, but the thing that MMA lacks, that martial art, or that traditional arts has, is the discipline. You know, you can go and hit a punching bag for a half an hour. That's awesome. But I find in a lot of MMA gyms, you get a lot of arrogance, a lot of ego. Uh, young young guns come in. They think they can take on the world and they want to prove that they're the alpha dog. And whereas a lot of karate dojos you go into, yes, you have your people that are filled with piss and vinegar, but there is a structure there. And a, a lot of that ego and and self-centered thought patterns can be taken away when you enter a dojo. And I do, that's one of my biggest things. And, and, and traditional arts can give you that focus, right? Mm. You can box, you can do MMA, wrestling, whatever. But without really true focus and actually self-centering yourself, it's, trust me, I... I, I've seen it a million different ways in all the years in bars. I've seen karate guys take out wrestlers. I've seen wrestlers take out boxers. I've, you know, back and forth, back and forth. So if you ask me who's, who's got the greatest art, honestly, nobody does. You know, it's every art has their own finesses, their own nuances. And to me, it's just staying rounded, you know, being aware of what's, out there right if you're if you're in a, a heavy university town that has a huge wrestling program you probably want to understand wrestling a bit if you go to the bar because while you're arguing with the guy all of a sudden he shoots in on you he drops to the ground picks you up slams you you weren't prepared you were about to go into your karate stance and you know it's but if you see how he's positioning his body and that's, that's always a good thing, you know, watch the body, watch the body. You see how he's positioning, you know, this guy's going to try and shoot in on me. Right. So that's where you can alter your body and get ready. And, you know, it's, that's another good thing. Uh, I, I do want to point out is a lot of karate guys, you know, they, they watch the center of the body. Don't watch the center of the body. Watch, Watch, watch lower, watch how the, the suspension's working. You know, mm. if, if you can see the legs move a certain way or he opens his foot, you know, he's going to do something right. 
well, everybody's staring at the chest and, you know, trying to, trying to gauge, gauge his, his upper body movement, and, but the suspension. And if you take that suspension out, uh, you know, you take the suspension out of a car, it's, it's done. It's not going anywhere. Well, what's interesting about that, you're saying that is that we, you always get taught energy comes from the feet, hips, hips control everything, right? From the yep. actual perspective of doing something. But from yes. the quote-unquote understanding of what the opponent does is always, yes, check the center line or check where their hands are or something like that. It's yes. interesting because I've never heard anybody say it that way from a, from that yes. perspective. I, I walked in just this just before COVID hit. I went to, uh, I got invited to a karate seminar. It was for a shore and root club. It was, a, it was an amazing uh, club. Uh, very well structured. A uh, young gentleman uh, ran it, but he was talking. When you're sparring, always stare at the chest. That way, you can see the shoulder movement. And I'm like, ah, okay. But the thing is, is like I can, I can, I can fake you out with my shoulder. But it's what I'm looking for is lower. You know, I'm looking for the belly or even the legs. I'll even look down at the legs a little bit. But you got to stay wary of the fists, right? You don't stare at his legs you're going to get clocked but you want to keep that distance and keep the focus on the suspension if you can see him opening his foot you know he's going to try and do a kick right if he's going to just come straight in and he starts inching straight in he's going to probably try and uh, do a haymaker or punch straight up so it's and to me like there's people out there that may disagree with me fine that's what has helped me and you know, being a bouncer in some pretty rough nightclubs, there's been quite a few skirmishes and I've never gone down. And, you know, that's, that's, that's awesome that I've never gone down, but you know, if, if I teach it this way, is the next guy going to go down? Is he going to get hurt? I, I don't know. I know what's worked for me personally, and I know my preferences and I like to watch body language. You know, you look for that left eye aggression. If you see them really starting to position their left eye towards you, it's it's a psychological thing. And they're getting ready to attack, right? And that's where you either try and talk them down or position yourself in a in a more advantageous segment, right? And that makes that all makes a lot of sense. And there's not a not a lot that I wouldn't say not a lot that happens in traditional karate, but the I think the downside is saying some there there's discipline or there's a lot of quote unquote self focus within traditional martial arts is that you're so focused on the self or you're so focused on kind of like where you are or how good your kata is looking or uh, how good the technique reaction is, so to speak. Yes. You're yes. not actually gauging what's going on around you. Now, I'm not saying everybody yeah. does that, but it tends to be excised a lot. Like a lot of what we came up through was follow the kata's pattern, follow this pattern, follow how this works, see what the reaction is, which are all good things. But there's not an if there isn't an account for spatial awareness, there's not an account for size discrepancies, right? Um, yes, you're not really gonna make it work the and this is where 
of course you're going to have people like yourself in your positions where we've had lots of just not I say brute but just gross physical responses to yes situations because you learned this will work this punch will work this box of the ears will work um not this grab by the hand hit here take out the leg there and that'll be fine because those aren't taking into account where the person actually is and what the person's positions actually are so of course like those are the huge flaws there on your experience from that do you feel that has really affected how you teach traditional martial arts yes yes uh quite often like when i have students come in you you pair students up and people have certain favorite uh pals that they train with but i try and mix up the bodies because i always get the question it's it, it seems like i i swear every time somebody asked me to teach them the, one of the first questions what do i do against a six foot five 350 pound man uh, run <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i don't know learn take up jogging but <laughs> you know it's it's one of those things where in my program you i try and teach that you know whether you're dealing with a small person a, a, an athlete you know you get those those kids that uh, they're really angry at you and they rip off their shirt and these guys are shredded and it's like oh boy here we go and you know and then you get the the huge massive men you know, the farm boys and each one has a different way to deal with it. You know, the bigger they are, you take out that suspension, they fall really fast. And when you got 350 pounds behind you, you take that knee out, they crumble really quickly. But you get a a lanky at athlete and you try and take the suspension out, they bounce back pretty quick. And then you've got to watch those fists that are flying. So that's where you go for the upper game, right? Yeah. And, you know, I've always found just different evasion techniques. If somebody's really, you know, you're trying to push somebody out of a bar, they've started a fight, they've, they've injured somebody, they've, you know, touched a waitress, anything like that. And I honestly find that's where you get into that warrior mentality. And if they're exercising too much aggression, you just execute immediately. You know, instead of sitting there arguing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then all of a sudden he clocks you or sucker punches you when you look away, I just execute. And that's what sometimes separates that warrior mentality from the average karate guy, right? Well, let's back up. Just knowing when to execute. Yeah. and uh, Let's back up to that. What, what do you yeah, – can you define ahead. that for us? Because so there's lots of people who – Good or bad, have you have you used that use that term warrior mentality or warrior mindset? Um, how would yes. you how would you define that? The warrior mentality, it's to me, it's do or die. Uh, if you asked me today, if you literally, if you held a gun to my head and said, "I'm going to kill you," I tell you right now, John, I'm not going to beg for my life. You do what you need to do, right? Whereas if you go up to, say, another fifth degree black belt that just doesn't have that mentality, you hold a gun to his head and say, you're going to die today. And all of a sudden, oh, please, you know, I have children. And think about this. 
to me, that's not a warrior. A warrior is ready to die at any time. A warrior is not afraid of death. In fact, I've been told on many, many cases that I'm very cold. When somebody comes to me for comfort, whether it be a family member or a very close friend, you know, oh, my mother passed away. And I'm like, oh, that that's that sucks. You know, just remember the good times. And it's like, you know, they're they come to me for comfort, but then they tell me that I'm cold. I'm cold because death happens. You know, we're all going to die unless some miracle drug or something comes out in the next, you know, God knows how many years. Right. We're all going to die. So choose it. You know, if somebody says they're going to take your life, don't. It, it, it's like when somebody shows me a video of a guy with his hands tied behind his back, his feet tied behind his back, and, you know, they're threatening to kill the guy. With me, you're never going to tie my hands behind my back unless you kill me, right? I'm never going to allow myself that position. And that's where, you know, some people think it out, you know, it's, and, and some people, they, they, they train hard and they're, you know, they've got that, that alpha dog, you know, uh, mentality. But at the end of the day, if, you know, they get confronted with a knife, that's, you know, they freeze. And I have had that on three separate occasions. I've had people pull knives on me. And honestly, it was just a knee jerk reaction. It was like swatting a fly away. You know, I've never been cut. And the one, uh, the one bouncer that was working with me, he's like, dude, I seen that knife come out. And he goes, I almost shit myself. And I'm like, I, I didn't even register it. I seen the knife. I took him out and we got him out of the bar and the police were called. And to me, it was just, you know, to me, that's the warrior mentality. And it's, there's no, there's no question in between. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Go. Yes. And what do you think? Do you think that came out of training? Do you think that's just a personality thing? Do you think that's a an issue of like you can't, especially with all with all of the kind of more of the in the ring type training you've done, you've just learned from that sort of discipline that's been imported from tradition, traditional settings. Go do. Or what do you think sparks that for you? Um. You know, it could be a bit of my upbringing. You know, I I had a, a pretty rough upbringing. You know, my mother and father were always fighting, and there was a lot of hands-on stuff uh, back and forth. And, you know, they got divorced. <clears throat> and just when I was a, a young kid, I was a pretty angry kid. And then... As karate started progressing, I, I calmed down. I wasn't as angry, but I was very competitive. You know, I wanted to be the toughest guy. If, if this guy broke four boards, I wanted to break five, you know, and it's, I'm not saying you have to be born with it. You can like, think about it. The military establishes this, this every day. If, if they have a hundred soldiers on the battleground and, you know, shells start flying i guarantee you at least 80 to 90 of those guys go resort right back to their training and they're ready to die and they're ready to you know and yes there's always going to be people that get scared having fear is natural right you know if you go parachuting jumping out of a plane it's not natural 
And it's natural to have that fear, like, am I going to live? Even though 99.9% of the time, it's perfectly safe to go parachuting. But there's still that fear. And it's the people that really control that fear, I guess, maybe out of time, maybe a lot of my training had to do with it. You know, I could have been maybe just born with that mentality. I know it's just always been there. When I'm confronted with something, I just choose. I'm either going to execute or I'm going to walk away. Do you think the do you think that can be something that can be taught or some somehow distilled or is that an exp- purely experiential thing? I think I think it can be taught most definitely. But then once I like if I taught you how to just have that mentality, the do or die mentality, that fine line, but then after I teach it, then it's it's still up to you, right? So if you walk into a really hairy situation and, you know, the guns come out, the knives come out, or it, maybe it's just five guys that just want to beat you up, you know, it's, it's now still up to you. It's what's in your heart and, and your brain. Psychologically, I think I, it can be fully taught 100%. You know, like I said, we do it with soldiers all the time. And, but there is people that come back from war suffering from PTSD. It's very hard on them seeing, uh, you know, that, that level of violence and, and, uh, battles. And, but then there's people, I have a cousin, he's, he's seen war and he came back and no PTSD. It's just, is he cold or, you know, no, he just, some people can handle it more than other people can. Right. And and so I mean that brings us into the you know if we have on one hand we have the I guess we can kind of go in four directions with this um, on one hand we have the warrior mindset and that can kind of go into a complete soldier soldiering um, actually yeah. joining service or you know anywhere and then kind of in the sliding scale bar you know bar bouncer and competitor and then down here you have um tradition like traditional karate teachers stuff like that maybe super traditionalist and then over on the sliding scale over here you have regular people regular guy right kind of have kind of yeah yeah for the audio version of this to paint that visual picture right treat that a mental picture yeah how do you because at one on one hand you have that mindset of being able to be the warrior. Now, I'm not going to play devil's advocate here, but what I will say is that there are people who take that far, way too far. Yes. Um, yes. And they go well. And, and the, I'm very careful in speaking about this because I want to respect your your point of view, and I think that's a valid point yep. of view because that's purely a mindset. That's a do or die mindset. Yes. Versus. Yes. I am warrior man, and my whole life is about this. My whole life is is being like the guy who 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 will be this like gun ho hero, when in reality that's like kind of a I don't know masculine power fantasy. <laughs> yes, yes. And and so yes, and then but then you have regular people who walk into take your pick military military. Uh, sports, sports, sport fighting training, or traditional martial arts, and so how do you temper it so it's 
something that isn't something that looks like it's an impossibility to get into, because I don't think it's impossible for anybody. But at the same time, making sure people understand, you know, regardless of what you go into, that's something you probably will need more than anything else, more than any of the other training, more than any of the boxing or the or the tuite or the kata or whatever. Yes. I guess, sorry, I'm I'm trying to navigate my way through this thought. But how would you be able to, say, show that to somebody in the kind of distilled setting from your experiences? And how would you be able to kind of make that, I don't want to say appealing, but accessible to average guy? Or do you feel that's Um, just an impossibility? No, it's not an impossibility. I, uh, I met a, I, I actually have a really good example. I met a young gentleman. It was, uh, once again, another seminar I was, uh, invited to, uh, I did a little, uh, demonstration and this young gentleman, he was, he was really frail. He was probably about a 115, 120 pounds soaking wet. You know, he had really tiny hands. And I tell you, he he got his back up and he was trying to play alpha dog against a 230-pound man. And I'm just like, wow, kid, calm down. And he had that, you know, he had that warrior mentality, but he just, you could just see that when, when shit went crazy, he'd be the guy hiding really quick. But... I like to work with people. I like to work with people. So throughout the seminar, I kept picking him as my partner. I'm like, hey, like, back off a bit. Like, hey, you know. And when we did a technique, I just give him a little bit of a little bit of oomph just to let him know, like, okay, you you keep telling me you're a third degree black belt, but I just gave you one of these and knocked you on your ass. Like, don't do the your alpha dog stuff to me. And as the seminar went, him and I kind of warm, warmed up really good to each other. And he started asking me, like, you know, I, I want to have power like you. And, and I want to have that, that, that steadfast mentality. And I said, you know, I find the best warrior mentality is to have a calm mind and just focus on the situation. Don't focus on trying to be a man. Don't try and focus on ego. Just focus on the situation. And for a, a fairly small guy like him, I explained to him, you know, when you focus on the situation, if there's an avenue that you can get out of the situation, do it, exercise it, use your brain. Don't use your fist, right? And that's completely opposite of what I probably would have said when I was 20. I would have said, use your fist to hell with your brain. But nowadays it's, you know, and and just... Working with that young gentleman during that seminar, it's, you know, you start to see that sometimes if you're a big meathead and stuff like that, people will try and elevate or get to your level. But each person is a different character. You know, uh, I can try all my life to be John Ebersol, but I'm never going to be John Ebersol. God right? forbid. You're God unique. Forbid. I'm unique. Right. I can, I can learn things about John. John can learn things about me and we can mimic each other, but we'll never, you know, we'll never be each other. And and that's where I feel like you ultimately are going to have the, I don't want to say weird, but the 
personalization of martial arts through experience. You're always, yes. and it's always going to be tempered through the personality of the person that's going through. But it's, and this is where style falls off to a large degree because it's based on the people who are actually doing the thing. Because style isn't yes. out there somewhere. Like, it's in the people who are doing it. Like, baseball yes. is not, you can't go look and say, look, there's baseball. No, you see a team going out there and playing baseball. You can't, it's a verb. Like, you can't yes. not, do, you can't not, it's not a noun, right? Yes. Um, yes. Getting into back to my language teacher mode. But you can also see where uh, people's experience rub off vicariously to a degree. Yeah. And there's good ways of that and there's bad ways of that. The, for me, the bad way of that is always, well, teacher said this and this and this, and teacher said this and this and this and this and this. And so it's always this weird vicariousness. But the the good way of it is kind of how you were doing it, where it was like you were using your experience to show this young guy that path rather yes. than saying, well, when I was your age, I did this, and this is what worked for Correct. me. Um, yeah, yeah, and and that yes. that's something I always I'm always very careful of because you get a lot of yeah. people who are going to sit there and tell you the stories, which is fun, always fun, but it, yeah. they they those stories don't equal action. And they really never should. Yeah, I've uh, just when you mentioned the stories, you know, I've. I've bumped into a lot of martial artists in my time and they will, you know, they will tell me they took on 15 guys and didn't break a sweat. I can just tell when? a mile away. They've never been in an actual fight, you know, but it's, and then you see the really quiet guy over there who says, you know, I got into a fight one night and I, you know, I, I worked a guy over pretty good. And you see he's got a flat nose, cauliflowered ears, scarred knuckles. You know this boy's been around the block and he's 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 done more than one fight, right? But it's yeah, I've seen lots of storytellers and they're they're fun. And as I get older, like I said, like when I was younger, I probably would have challenged them, right? <laughs> it's like I don't believe you. I can kick your butt right now, but as I get older, I just I wanna hear the story. Tell me your story of 15 guys. Tell me, tell me who you took out first and tell me the 15th guy and, and how you dated all their girlfriends after. Just tell me a good story, you know? And it's fun. It's fun. It's almost <laughs> the, the, the kind of uh, okay time to be an enabler to a degree. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because you're just like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> because you just hang out with the with the lad for like three hours. He'll pay you get him to pay for a beer or two. You know, it's all right. Oh yeah, <laughs> add that too. <laughs> well, and, and because in that situation, you you you're exercising a you're exercising a kind of a long a le, a less used long heard of heard of kind of clandestine version of mastery, right? Because you're just kind of yes understanding into intuitively what someone's trying to tell you what someone's trying to communicate to you whether or not yes. they're lying whether or not they're really 
getting at what they're trying to get at, what they're trying to get out of you. Um, yeah. What, like, you know, all the kind of G menness, like, has always been trying to get towards, but we've always heard, like, some of the best martial artists are also some of the most socially capable. Yes. And if they're not, yes. then if you have that social sense about you, then, you, you know, you're okay. Um, I was hanging out with a guy in Okinawa, and he was talking to me about something very similar. It's not my story to tell, so I'm not going to tell it here. But how he essentially was a young man, and how he could not touch an old guy just because he thought getting the hands up was was a smart move. And he yeah. learned very quickly that getting the hands up was not a smart move. So yeah. that's all I'll say about that. Overall, would you say going forward in teaching and training... Would you say you'd be able to hybridize what you've learned through the years in order to pass that on as the version that you understand to your students? Not necessarily as a style, but just more as a mindset. Um, yeah, I see. I see a lot of. I see a lot of that on Instagram, uh, YouTube, where people, you know when you look at their backgrounds, they started in traditional, they got into some, some, uh, uh, MMA and stuff and they've hybridized it and the art looks beautiful. It looks amazing. And, but for me, I am still that person that I keep everything separate. Like when I do Ruku Kempo, I do Ruku Kempo. When I do stick fighting, I do stick fighting. Now I do, uh, there's a really uh, good martial artist who one time told me, he said, if you take a look at a lot of the martial arts, they all have in their system two sticks. And you take a look, pretty much all the arts have two sticks. And there's a correlation between the positioning of the sticks and the positioning of the hands. Uh, Riku Campbell's got the Tanbo, the uh, Filipino arts have... Uh, Kali and Eskrima, Bruneian arts, uh, the, the Indian arts, they all have two sticks. And to me, it's that correlation is amazing. And I, you know, would I hybridize it? I, I don't know. At this point in time, I still keep everything separate. If I do, if I do uh, Muay Thai kickboxing, I keep it Muay Thai. You know, I don't have the actual karate kicks in it. Uh, if I do Muay Thai, I don't do standard boxing with standard structure. If I do standard boxing, you know, it's it's that. It's I still I I think though, Jonathan, that is actually an amazing question though, because like I said, I've seen some hybrid arts that are, are just beautiful. It's beautiful. It's like where did this come from? And uh, I think inevitably inevitably maybe once i start pushing 55 60 maybe i'll i'll turn into something hybrid and call it vic do do go or something i don't know we'll come up with a really cool name you can help me maybe <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, well and i think there's there's a bit of strength to keeping things separate because the each thing does its own thing right the, yes. the boxing is going yes. to do one thing. MMA is going to do, or MMA Muay Thai is going to do another. It's interesting that yeah. it's interesting that you bring up the two sticks thing because then it's like you talk about like you go right into boxing and, and Muay Thai and no sticks, but they're always using no two sticks. sticks. But 
yeah, yeah. If you take a look at the way they position a lot of their hands and then you put the sticks in your hands it's it's the same movements right yeah so i mean it's, i guess you, you wouldn't even necessarily amazing. need to so you wouldn't need to like formally hybridize anything right you could just okay this is this is a framework this is a framework in a workout yeah. we're gonna throw yeah. different things on said framework and see how they work yeah yeah and i feel like that's kind of where a lot of most people who they say are geniuses in martial arts or kinetic geniuses tend to go with right they have that base in that yeah. trellis or whatever and they just go from there. So karate, running, escrima, boxing, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, there definitely is some geniuses. Like I've seen people that, yeah, they would start off in Ruku Kempo and then halfway through a cod and all of a sudden it's into like uh, something else. And it's like, how did you even think of that? To me, it's like, this is the kata. That's the way it goes. How would you think to move your hand postures this way instead? And and just watching watching how they they move, it's like wow. <laughs> I never would have thought of that. I would have just thought keep the systems uh, separate. But you know, in a fight situation, it's now I have a hu a huge arsenal to pull from. So if I know there's a certain body position that's going to be natural, if this person's attacking me. It just naturally comes out with me. So now I'll go into something else, right? Instead of thinking about what in my in my Kempo arsenal will work good for this uh, body position and this this form of aggression, to me I can just I can flow into something else really quick. If I know I can just do a straight punch or you know a left jab, I do it. But if the guy just happens to reach his arm out, boom, I can do Kempo, right? Uh, with a lot of the Kempo and the hand-changing postures, believe it or not, a lot of that you can do out of Cali uh, and Arnis. You know, the, uh, a punch comes in, you can just switch it right over and then strike. And, yeah, it's – but watching how people actually culminate it into an actual pattern, it – they are geniuses. Now, once again, I've seen really good guys and I've seen people that have made their own art and it's like, what the hell is that? You can just see a, you know, a thousand miles away. This, this is just not going to work, but that's what they're passionate about. So let them go at it. Well, and I think they're in that regard. It's, there's more of like, instead of seeing the framework, and knowing how to put stuff on it, they see the stuff they put yeah. on it, but there's nothing behind it. So Correct. you end up Correct. getting those weird things that people think it's like the the frame. It's the stuff you put around around the frame, not the frame itself. So yes, if you have a decent framework for like your body mechanics and body and and how and body movement works, and you understand awareness and situ situational awareness and kind of spontaneity and spontaneity and how that stuff works together you can make anything work but if you're just like yeah. well these are the techniques that i learned here and then this is the techniques i learned here and these are the techniques i learned here maybe you can make something work <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i always want to champion the guy who's like i don't get it 
but I can make it work anyway. Like so. Yeah. I I think there's room for that guy too. <laughs> Oh, the 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 I the scrapper. You always have to give the scrapper credit because they can at least scrap. Where a lot of these guys who like come up through, like I did karate since I was five, they they never actually had to scrap. So yes, that's one thing I would I would say. Uh, you know, credit to the scrappers where it's due. So yeah, yeah. That that uh, reminds me, you know, of a. Uh, it was it was so amazing. It was. Uh, God, I wish we had smartphones back then. But there was this guy, he had like dozens and dozens of trophies. He was from a shore and rue club, but it was more sporterized. And this is the guy that would twirl the bow staff around on his finger and throw it up in the air, do the splits and catch it. And 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 don't get me wrong, like that level of sport karate and that level of showmanship takes so much athletics and discipline and and structure but will it work on the street no no it's not going to work on the street and i'll tell you that right to your face i don't care if you have 400 trophies and want to come argue with me all day it's not going to work on the street of course not but that martial arts there's a lot of dedication to it but I remember this guy just bragging and he just had trophies. He was always in the newspaper and he came up to the bar one night, started getting drunk. And of course, you know, I was working the door and then uh, we had earpieces in uh, one of the boys called me up to the bar because there was a situation arising at the time I was the head bouncer. So when stuff uh, went awry, I would always kind of be involved. So I went up there and this guy picked a fight with a farm boy. Like I'm talking the no neck farm boys that are all built with muscle and they pick up three hay bales in one arm. And and I'm thinking, oh, dude, you're going to get hurt. And he's like, no, I'm a world champion five times over and blah, blah, blah. And he had a, a gold ring that said he was a black belt. And this farm boy looked right at him and said, I'm going to tear your head off. And he, 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 he goes, he goes, I'm a black belt like that. And this farm boy just hauled off and punched him. And it was the loudest crack I've ever heard in my life. And all I seen was this guy's feet and he just landed on his neck. And I'm just like, oh, well, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can tell you've never been hit before. <laughs> but this is funny. That's a rarity and I think that, yeah. that that I'd be interested to see what it would happen with the day after was for that guy. Oh, right. Yeah. From like, a, I didn't see him come around the bar ever again, really. But, <laughs> but you got to think about like how that shakes somebody. Right. And then how, that, oh, yeah. and then that's just going to be like, does he quit? Does he just stop yeah. training? Does he take off? Does he ever wear that ring again? That's like the great yeah. introduction to a movie. That's like <laughs> to to like <laughs> you, you have this montage of the guy being like, I'm twir- I'm twirling around my bow. I've won five world championships. I got this ring that says I'm a black belt. And then it's like five minutes in, he goes to the bar. He's getting drunk. He's he's being real loud. He's got the babes on his side. Everyone's his friend. And then this farm boy just hauls off on him. And then the next day, all it's yeah. all gone. Yes. How does this guy it's rebuild done. his world? <laughs> yeah. 
And you know, the sad part is, is, is that guy, like I never followed up with him. I never really heard from him again. I didn't see him in the newspapers. And all I could think about is that probably shook him up so badly that he just threw in the towel, you know? Yeah. Because you, you got to think you've trained so hard to get so many trophies. And then a moment like that changes your life. So now you have fear, fear that no matter how good or how many trophies you have, you're never going to be good enough, you know? And that's what drives some people. A lot of martial arts studios have high turnover rates because the kids get in there, they're busting their ass. They don't get graded this month because they still haven't learned the pattern. So they start to get, you know, afraid. It's like, oh, I'm never going to do it. This isn't going to help me. Or, you know, they get their yellow belt or their orange belt, and then some kid at school slaps them around a bit. So now they're afraid. It's like, why continue on to get my black belt? Because this stuff doesn't work. And it's like, well, you're only an orange belt. But but I, I see so many people that they give up martial arts. And yet, you know, for 40 years of my life, it's it's done a lot for me. It's given me a good, strong mind. Uh, it's It's done a lot. I've traveled all over the world for it. And it's amazing if people just embraced it and really hopped up in the saddle and, and stayed in it longer, I think it would be so enormous for a lot of people. Because we don't necessarily, when we talk about the wins, we don't talk about the losses, right? Oh, yeah. And so, oh, yeah. and so in that regard, guy, guy who, the kid who just has a yellow belt or the guy who's that five world time champion or whatever, like the, once they get the, the L, once they take the, have to take the L, then suddenly it's all over. When for a lot of yeah. people, for you, you and me particularly, um, I've, I've talked about this on, on here before, how I got knocked out like the first time, time I ever did BOGO. And there was reasons for that, but I mean, yeah. Two years later, I went in and started started kicking ass. So I mean, yeah. You know, you gotta take you gotta take it on the chin uh, or wherever I suppose you, you end up landing, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, Bogu is something I I never I never liked it. You know, with that the big steel cage on the face and all the padding, and you know, I just I I just loved especially boxing you get in the ring you're you're gonna spar like eight rounds with various people and just to stand and bang and and you know you know if you get that punch in the face and you don't want it to happen again you're gonna bob and you're gonna weave you're gonna you're gonna get different body position but bogu it's like straight up line it's got a lot of really good stuff like if if somebody's going to attack you and you're really good at Bogu, you're just going to go straight up the line and, and crush him. But I never, I personally never enjoyed all the, the, the headgear and stuff. It, it just agitated me. It's a different, it's a different um, skill set, And I, I, and there's good, yeah. it's, but it's a, it's a training tool. Yes. My buddy Raul will, will, uh, maybe push back on me a little for that saying that no it's it's definitely because i i noticed this too when i somebody else who we had on here way way back in the day jimmy teller everyone's like he's a traditional master or whatever he's like 
we get on the floor. He's like, yeah, let's do uh, some uh, just quick light free sparring. Let's go. No face it. Just don't don't try to get too hard on it. Just just light sparring. And I was always thought, why are we doing this light sparring stuff? Or like people had always said, we're traditional. We always do full contact. But there's as much place for that type of stuff as there is for hard hit hitting full contact because that's a great way of warming yeah. up and that's a great way of putting on some of the pressure. Not all of it. Yes. Not even a lot of it. But some of it. Yes. Right. Yes. So. Well, Vic, is there anything else you want to kind of say before we wrap up here today? No, other than uh, it's obviously been an absolute honor uh, hanging out with you, John. Yeah, uh, it's been great having you, know, you on. I know we kind of we've, knocked him out of it, but yeah, we've swapped some sweat in the past, and uh, you know we've chewed some of the same dirt. And I have a lot of respect for you, and it was uh, really good that we reconnected, and and uh, hopefully we uh, constantly stay in touch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It was it's great having you on, and it's good, good to know that there's someone else out there who's who's really reaching hard for the same goals, um, despite distance and whatnot. Um, you just recently started your own podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. I call it the Green Desk Podcast. Ooh, any particular reason <laughs> as to why it's the Green Desk? Um. You know, I, I own a Kawasaki Ninja, and I love the lime green, and uh, I loved it so much. My new team at my new job, they they took me very quickly, and they realized I was the type of leader that's going to be in the trenches with them. And uh, while I was on vacation, they actually fabricated me a lime green Kawasaki desk so it was the first in our empire. Our, our company makes uh, kitchen cabinetry. So they actually had a trial swatch of material come by, lime green, just to make this desk. So they actually put a lot of thought into it. And then when I was thinking about starting a podcast and just, you know, networking and, and getting to know people and listening to some stories... I, I was going over all these different names, like, well, maybe I should call it this. Maybe I should call it, maybe I'll just go Vic and sell a podcast. And then after the green desk, I'm so proud of that green desk and what it means to me. It shows that I've connected and I found my tribe. And these, these people, you know, I'm willing to bleed for them and they're going to bleed for me. And we're going to have a really uh, fruitful uh, relationship and career. So that's why I uh, named it the Green Desk. Cool, cool. What do you got going on this week in terms of training? Uh, this week, actually, uh, <laughs> I hired one of my karate students, but he's on afternoons, so we're actually going to train tomorrow. Right on. Um, so that's my Sunday, your Monday. And then uh, probably, I think it's Wednesday, I'm supposed to hook up with uh, Jason Arnold. He's from the uh, Balintawak uh, uh, Filipino uh, system. And him and I are going to uh, toss around some sticks. And I know, and I, know uh, I think it's next Saturday I should be meeting up with Preston. I don't know if you remember Preston remember or not. Preston. Yes. So he's, uh, he's still in the military full time. And then... Uh, he came to me, said he wanted to go back to school, so he's been taking a lot of night school, and he's almost graduated as a machinist, 
and he's about to get married. So he's working really hard. So with his really busy schedule, we haven't been training as much, but we're trying to make a point of seeing each other on the weekends when we can. So good. That's good to hear that everyone that like, even though it's not a huge group that it's still going and proliferating yes. and that's that's what i feel when you normally have something good is that it doesn't have to be big it needs to just can no. keep going and that's no. great to hear yeah well vic thank you so much for being on um i hope we get to have you on again i hope we get to do this again at some at some point um sooner rather than later and um folks thanks for listening and don't forget to keep training